Let's get started. Okay, welcome everyone to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Um, I've got Colin Savage, Press Witch Blue, with me, and I also have Ray from City Van TV. Let's start off with Ray. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very, very well indeed, Mike. Very well indeed. I'll, I'll, before we start, I want to say there's some good news. Um, uh-huh. Is that Colin Bell has returned from hospital? People might not have heard about this. Uh, Colin Bell has been in hospital for ten weeks and uh, found out. Uh, today that uh, from his son that he uh, came home from hospital on Monday so uh, very good news fantastic news and we also have uh, press witch blue Colin Savage here Colin how are you doing I'm good I mean it's Friday night here and I'm glad it's Friday Uh okay guys uh, well we've got a lot to talk about and uh, the first thing we could talk about is uh, Manchester City's latest win 3-0 win against Olympiacos um ray did we make a bit of a hard job of that um yes overall i think you know three nil win looks quite comfortable and overall it probably was um but once again i mean we had plenty of chances to score a lot more a lot sooner and to make that game a lot more comfortable um, than, than it was, you know, when you're going into the second half, leading just by one goal to nil, you know, and the opposition, and you can see or feel that some of the players are starting to tire, um, and the opposition are starting to do a bit more. Our pressing is as much as good, uh, and then opposition are having half, not even half chances, but you know, situations, let's say, where things could happen, like corners, um, crosses, and shots. Um, and yes, they're unlikely to score from them, but you never know when something's going to happen. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm always concerned at, at times like that uh, when we're not uh, driving home our advantage by scoring one or two more goals. Uh, Colin Savage, interesting lineup. Just going to go through it. Aderson Walker, Stones, and Ake in the centre, then Zinchenko, uh, De Bruyne, Gundawan, and Foden, and then Mares, Torres. And Sterling, bit of an eye to the game with Liverpool, do you think? Uh, yeah, I was surprised that uh, Kevin De Bruyne started, really. Um, thinking about that game, but um, and he had what well, he played most of the game, I think. But yeah, you know, we don't really have much choice at the moment, do we, really? But um, it was interesting that um, Bernardo. Um, Cancelo and Rodri were um, kind of started on the bench mm-hmm. and came on later. And of course, Gabriel Jesus, um, you know, got got some time in, got uh, 
very useful. Um, well, he got the 20 minutes in, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, Ray. So um, <clears throat> coming into the game, um, I read here that uh, Olympiakos, Olympiakos had played in England 17 times, lost 14 of them, and uh, their two wins came against Arsenal. Um, mm. And uh, squeaked a draw at Burnley in 2018. Apparently, they can see 2.9 goals uh, in games against English uh, opposition. And of course, they reached, they last reached the knockout stages of Champions League 2014. But um, it's uh, another impressive performance by the burgeoning Ferran Torres. Uh, nice goal, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, he had a, a, a pretty decent game overall. And he's showing us uh, something that we, we we didn't know we had this to look forward to. We thought he was a winger who will take people on, score the odd goals, make a few assists. And a lot of fans were hoping he'd be a, the reincarnation of uh, Leroy Sane without the um, afro. But he's, he's showing us something different by playing up front. He's showing us that he's got some um, football intelligence. You know, he knows... Um, how to find space and even before he scored a goal after t- it was only 12 minutes I think he scored the goal he had a back heel from a corner so corner came in he was at the near post and he back heeled it I think the keeper saved it pushed it wide it was probably going wide anyway and then he had a header as well from uh, another I think another corner so he was getting to places where he was free and he could uh, uh, affect the game and he would have chances to score and the goal he scored was a um, really, really well-taken goal. Um, I think it started with a, a pass uh, from, was it Mares, which was deflected um, by one of the de- defenders to uh, Torres. He, he knocked it to uh, KDB. It was a, one t- um, it was a one-two. Uh, KDB volleyed it um, into the penalty area. It was nice. Well, I won't say volleyed. He caressed it. Uh, he didn't win. It was really nice. And perfectly weighted, Ferran Torres came into the box. First touch, beautifully took it just ahead of him and took another touch and slid it uh, under the goalkeeper as it, uh, the goalkeeper came out. But I think it was a very well-taken goal. And it's something that um, I've been impressed with him when, when we've compared him to Raheem Sterling down the middle um, with these one-on-one chances. Whereas I think Raheem Sterling just generally hits and hopes um, you know, I don't know why he doesn't do the chips anymore, but he hits and hopes at the keeper. Whereas I think Ferran Torres actually looks to see what's going on and places it around the keeper or under the keeper, depending on what's the right what the right thing to do is. So for me, um, it was another well taken goal. Uh, I don't know. He's got three goals in three Champions League appearances. Uh, it's, it's a fabulous start um, to his career at Man City. Is he is he impressing you to the same extent, uh, Colin? Uh, yes, absolutely, and I don't think we've even started to see what he can do. But um, he's, uh, I mean, what's impressed me is his movement and his confidence. Uh, and I think Ray said, you know, if, if, for that first goal, if it had been Sterling, that that shot could have gone anywhere, uh, despite Sterling being a great player. But uh, that was a stone cold, you know, stone cold finish, the finish of a much more experienced player. So, yeah, I mean, um, almost like he might be wasted on the wing, but we'll see. Indeed, um, and that was the first goal. Had to wait an awfully long time for the second and the third. Um, What happened uh, in between time, uh, Ray? I mean, 
most of the outlets describe it as uh, two stages. One in which uh, City um, had a lot of sterile uh, domination without mm. looking a threat. And then the second phase of that was um, allowing Olympiacos to come back into the game a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think the more so the first half. I mean, I'm checking down my notes. Um, I think one of the biggest things to notice was Riyad Mahrez passing the ball. Now, uh, <laughs> we'd Quite had this thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we'd had this thing that, that Sam Lee had made a report. Um, they'd done an article in The Athletic. Uh, apparently, after the West Ham game, uh, De Bruyne had a go at Mahrez for being greedy. And apparently, before and uh, a few t- games earlier in the season, both Aguero and Fernandinho had had a go at Mares for being greedy. Um, now, Mares came out and said, no, that's not true. Um, you go, go and check your sources. KDB says, basically, it's not KDB, um, Sam Lee said he's very comfortable with his source uh, and the, the club haven't, by the signs of it, denied it. Um, so I'm wondering who is, how high his source is because, uh, you know, where do you get that sort of information? Anyway, but... It's either Maris has taken, take a, a finally taken it on board. Maybe it, it's true that these players had spoken to him. <coughs> Maybe he had spoken to him. Who knows? Maybe he watch, he listens to the Bolt from the Blue podcast uh, mm-hmm. on on um, trips uh, on the coach or whatever, and he's heard us talking about him. Maybe he's watched my videos. Highly uh, doubt it. But he's, he was passing a lot more, and he looked a lot more uh, useful to the team because. I think the other Olympiacos just weren't expecting Maris to pass the ball. You know, they're expecting when he gets the ball uh, to be greedy. Uh, and passing the ball was just something unheard of. So that, that was interesting to notice. And it took about 20 minutes for Olympiacos to actually slowly get into the game. And I th- I th- it's something I've noticed. City seem to get a lead and then step off the gas a little bit. You know, um, and and don't go as hard as as they were doing. I think Walker had two uh, passes intercepted, and we we still forget about this going forward. He's been fantastic this season, but he still you know ha- has the odd uh, rick in him. Uh, we also had a bad pass from Edison, um, to, bad you know from um, when he was in goal and just outside the box. Uh, you know, to basically passing to their player. Um, but generally, we were on, on top. We ha- were having half chances, lots of crosses coming in where, where they were being blocked, uh, or the goalkeeper was, um, you know, getting getting to the ball, either parrying it or collecting it before it reached one of our uh, attackers. But generally, you know, it was it was pretty much all City without getting in that first half anyway, without getting the goals that let's say our possession and our domination merited. How frustrating did you find it, Colin, watching um, the rest of that first half? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, you know, we got a goal in um, just over 10 minutes. And um, you think, oh, it's, uh, with, with the great respect, it's Olympiacos, uh, you know, the team that expected to be the whipping boy of the group, probably. And um, and it's the same thing. I think what well, was frustrating, because it was like the same thing with, we saw... In the Sheffield United game, you're thinking, why can't we kill the game at half-time? Um, because we certainly had the ability to get two or three goals. And then you're entitled to take your foot off the gas a little bit. And um, but, but it is, when we started so well, it was so frustrating to get to half-time again uh, and only be one, 
uh, one nil up. So, um, uh, you know, we hadn't, as Ray said, you know, we, we'd look like we'd taken our foot off the gas. And the number of times we say this, don't we, that the players look like they only think they only need to turn up to to win the game. And, and the, it never seems to have been drummed out of them. Uh, so, so, yeah, by the time it got to half time, uh, you know, it certainly to kind of 60 minutes, I was um, getting quite frustrated, really. It was interesting. Um, Olympiacos woke up a little bit, Ray, because after the break, they uh, remember they had a corner. Um, then they had a, a shot, I think. Uh, was it City trying to play out a defence? There was one uh, Phil Foden, Phil, yeah. Yeah, Phil Foden it hits a back, a back pass to John Stones. Yeah, gifts gifts the ball to Valbuena, and he yeah. had a great opportunity. You, well, decent opportunity, right? Great opportunity. He, he mm-hmm. you know, an open goal pretty much, and he put it wide. Um, but I mean, I noted as well we weren't pressing as much in that second half. There was an error from Zinchenko a few minutes later, which uh, allowed a cross to come in. I think he cleared it poorly, which allowed a cross to come in. Um, and I think um, I can't remember who. It might have been Stones who cleared it, where he had a man in front of him and a man behind him. And the man in front of him missed it. If Stones hadn't cleared it, there was a man behind him waiting. Uh, you know, uh, Then um, the, the, the fellow who scored against Arsenal, the winner against Arsenal, I think, last season, El Arabi, I think he scored against all the English teams last season. He had a chance, half a chance. Um, you know, And you just worried that you've let a team back into a game that they should have been out of in the first 30 minutes uh, and it just takes a you know a little bit of good play um, like West Ham did to, to us in the league game or a little bit of uh, luck on their uh, their part and and they could have leveled so you know it, it was a, a bit of a, uh, a disappointment but you know after 67 minutes when Maros came off Foden uh, I think he came off as well didn't he and Jesus and Rodri came on they moved Torres to the right and um after I mean, Olympiacos did have a good chance, but then I think we started to to mortar again towards the end of the game. And that's right, Colin. So um, after that double substitution, Torres switched over to his what you would think normal position on the right wing, Sterling on the left, and Gabby J in the middle. Very good to see him back. How did you think that up until his his goal? Obviously, what kind of a contribution did he feel, did you feel he he made? Uh, well, I thought he was a bit. Uh, yeah, well, I say a bit sl- slow to get in the game is the wrong thing to say. Well, obviously, he's been out for a while since September, feeling his way back in. You could see he was keen. Um, but, um, you know, he, he, he always scores those goals, doesn't he? I mean, he gets he, he gets a lot of disrespect in, in, in some quarters, but um, and he can be a bit frustrating at times, no doubt about it, but... Um, you know, he, he turns up with the goals, doesn't he? He does indeed. Um, just trying to think, how long was it? How long did he have on? Was it um, 10 minutes, I think he was on, Ray, 13 before he... Minutes. he thir- 13 yeah. minutes? Yeah, tell us about that one. I'll, go for, yeah, I'll yeah. go for this and let Colin do the last goal. Um, it was a pass from KDB, so KDB walks away with two assists. And Gabriel Jesus, he was, on the, he was in the penalty area on his right foot. And I think he feigned to shoot and the defender tried to block a non-existent shot and then the defender ended up stumbling and Gabby got 
past him. And he was probably no more than four or five, six yards out. But it was uh, a tight angle. And the goalkeeper was stood there at the near post. And he put his laces through it. He absolutely leathered it. Keeper had no chance. Even It went straight past him, um, straight past his hands. He didn't even move. And the ball was... Uh, you know, in in the net, it, it was a fabulously well taken goal. I don't think anybody expected him to shoot, let alone score. Um, and you know, he wheeled away. I think he's very, very happy, very content. You know, it was a fabulous goal. His first game back and everything else. And I'm, I just hope now he can, you know, take this uh, positive uh, moment and, and and continue to improve for the rest of the season, stay fit and take this confidence into the next game. Right. And then, of course, then there were some more substitutions after that. A second minute, Cancelo comes on for Walker. Turned out to be a good substitution, that. Silva on for Sterling. And I think also was that Felix Nemecha got on for um, yeah. a few minutes uh, for yeah, KD, KDB. Did. Yeah, Colm? And got an assist, yeah. Um, Cancelo's becoming an important player, isn't he? Um he, again, another one who seems to be growing in confidence, getting more, getting more games, getting more of a run of games, and um, of course he got on the um, score sheet, didn't he? Yeah, tell us about that. That was a cracker, ninetieth minute. It was a cracker goal. I mean, yeah, I mean it, that goal probably made the result about right, but we left it a bit late. But as mm-hmm. um, um, I say, uh, Felix Nemecha was on. He exchanged passes with Cancelo, and they were. Um, just outside, uh, about two or three yards outside the area, and, and Cancelo really confidently took a stride forward uh, and placed a great, uh, I think it was a curling shot inside the far post, giving the goalkeeper no chance. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looked, <laughs> it, it, it looked like the sort of thing he does every week, but um, obviously he's not scored that many for us. But yeah, he he's becoming a really important player, giving us a bit of um, a kind of I don't know it's, it's something a bit bit of penetration a bit of bite uh mm-hmm. you know inside the last third yeah uh, for, he's, for a fallback yeah. uh-huh he, he's, 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 his attacking skills are really really catching the eye uh, in the last few uh games actually and yeah. um don't think he's been really tested uh defensively ray but it's he's, really he's, looking he's good. Little, well, he, he was a little bit i mean if you, play, if you remember he played the last few games of last season left back uh, and I, I quite enjoyed his attacking skills because uh, one thing I said, he goes on the outside and the inside, whereas Ben Mendy tends just to go down the line. Uh, Concello, he comes inside as well. And he can he can use either foot, he can get to the bar line and then just drag the ball back, let the defender go sliding off the pitch and then look for the right cutback. Uh, he can cut in and have a shot. Mendy can't do that. Um, and I think his passing is better than Mendy's as well. So... I've been impressed uh, with him when he's been playing either at left back or in midfield. Um, his defending qualities, I think a couple of times he has been found out. But sadly, whoever we put at left back, whether it's Mendy, Zinchenko and, or Delph when he was here, there is always a mistake in them. Uh, and partly it's the way we play because we're looking to be attacking. Um, and you know maybe in, in, in the minds, that's what they're focused on. It's been a bit more offensive. But... Um, you know, there's always that mistake, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, very impressed uh, with him in the, his last five or six games. Three, uh, three wins, three games, uh, nine points, Colin, and uh, 
just one more point needed, I think, to make City uh, safe, at least in the group. Uh, Ruben yeah, Diaz. Uh, sorry, I was just going to so say Ruben. Yeah. Ruben sorry, Diaz sorry. and uh, Diaz and um, and uh, Laporte nicely rested. Just what the doctor ordered, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I was a bit surprised that KDB started because he, he's obviously going to be a key player. But uh, a, a point we'll see is in the group stage, and I think I'm right in saying three gives us the group, doesn't it? Um, not necessarily. Yes. I think if Porto win all their games and beat us, um, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. then Porto can still be top of the group. But in all reality, it's probably cities. Mm-hmm. Very interesting uh, situation there, guys. Uh, in the lead up uh, to the Liverpool uh, game, before we just get on to that, just some, some um, interesting stat attack from the BBC as usual. Um, might test you out a little bit, guys. Um, so apparently, um, City have won uh, the the each of the first three games in the Champions League campaign for the third time in uh, four seasons. Um, and uh, since conceding five goals at Leicester, City have conceded only three in in eight, and uh, kept a clean sheet in three consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since when that's an interesting one so they've kept a clean sheet in three consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since when any guesses must be at least a couple of years yeah at least a year yeah september last year september last year and as as ray alluded to um uh, Ferran Torres, 20 years, 248 days. So he's the third youngest player Champions League history to score in four consecutive appearances behind two others. Who would they be? Kylian Mbappe would be the one. Uh, and Haaland. Haaland, the other one. And uh, Mbappe was uh, 18, 120 days. Haaland was 19, 107 days. Um, yep. And uh, good to see Gabriel Jesus back. The last little factoid is he's been directly involved in nine goals in his last seven appearances in the Champions League, not against uh, lower league opposition, because he's got good stats there too. But it's really, really good to have him back. And we're all set up really quite nicely, Ray, for Liverpool on Sunday. Absolutely. Liverpool in second place right now um, in the league. because uh, Southampton on, top, yeah. Yeah, we're on Friday night, so Southampton have won and... Um, obviously, they they're into the feeling of the of the, the moment. Uh, Southampton, mm-hmm. their official Twitter uh, handle, they put out "Stop the count." Um, <laughs> and Southampton are now top of the table. Which actually, uh, if if you follow the sports social, uh, Jim Salveson's um, little toy, um, you, you know that they put that exact same thing out. Stop the count. I put something very similar, but it was spelled. I did drop one of the letters. What one yeah. letter? One of the letters, but yeah, but, yeah. That, but that was that was for somebody else. Uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, guys, uh, how do you feel Liverpool are are set up for going into this game? Um, maybe you could have a few comments there from uh, Colin and then and then Ray. I mean, are they the uh, fearsome proposition that they were last season, or and if not? Um, what's behind that? Oh, I think they are. They are still a, um, a fairly fearsome proposition. Um, I think there really is only 
It's still us and Liverpool, I think. Um, obviously, they've not got Van Dijk, but uh, I, I saw a stat earlier that they actually played, not played better, but the results are better without Van Dijk than they have been with. So mm-hmm. uh, someone asked, you know, how much, how much of a difference does he really make? Well, I think he does make a difference. Um, Fabinho, I don't think he's going to be fit, is he? No. Um, Fabinho's not fit. Uh, Diego Jota. Now he's, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of mocked a bit and thought, for you know, forty, would you get excited about Diego Diego Jota being your your main signing for forty five million? But um, yeah, he's looking to, to to be on fire a bit, isn't he? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot of Liverpool people, a lot of Liverpool supporters I saw on social media that actually prefer him to um, uh, Firmino in his current form. Anyway, he's he's fitting in there quite. Nicely, uh, Ray. What's your view of Liverpool, and what kind of a uh, a game do you think this might turn out to be? It's going to be interesting, obviously, because Liverpool. We've said they're without Virgil Van Dijk and without Fabinho, who was his replacement at the back. I think uh, that on Sunday they're going to have Joe Gomez and Matic. I think Matic's back for that, and the rest of the defence will be the same. They're a bit messed up in uh, midfield because obviously Fabinho is not there. The Oxlade-Chamberlain's injured. I think somebody else, oh, I can't remember now who's injured. And they might end up, I think they'll end up with Henderson, Wijnaldum, possibly Naby Keita um, to fill the last spot. And I think Jota will play. I've got a sneaky suspicion he will play. Um, I don't think he was bought just to be a £45 million bench warmer. I think he was bought to put pressure on the forwards, uh, keep them honest, and possibly take over from Firmino as he's getting older and maybe not contributing as much um, as um, Klopp would like. And I think we'll see this season Klopp being ruthless. You know, uh, Firmino has been a main part of their success in the last two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. So I think you know sentimentality or anything, you know, it, that goes out the window. And I think Klopp, Klopp will call him. Um, this season, and Jota looks like a, a, a very, very good replacement. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, just before we go go on to other matters, there's some very interesting other matters. Um, anything others, other, uh, any other items city related that we should uh, get into before we uh, talk about some of these other things? I'm hearing crickets. Well, I'll say briefly then. <laughs> Uh, the women's team uh, won again. Obviously, oh, won yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sunday, they won in the Continental Cup against Liverpool. Now, Liverpool uh, are in the uh, second tier of uh, women's football, but we beat them 3 uh, 0, rested most of the first team, uh, which is important. Uh, we, we've got a game against Bristol City on Saturday at four, uh, 3 o'clock. Bristol City, bottom of the table. Uh, They've scored one goal so far this season, let in, I think, 20. Uh, obviously, no wins. Um, people think it's, we just have to turn up for that game. It's a little bit unfair on Bristol City um, because they, they actually played on Thursday evening. They played a game on Thursday evening and they um 7.45 kickoff. And now they're playing a game on Saturday at 3 o'clock. No reason for it. It's not a televised game. So there's no reason um, for this game to be played so early and for them to have so little um, so little break. And, and, and it's just an, an indicative thing of women's football. And, 
where you know the this this they're pushing from the outside for more equality, um, but they're just not getting it. Um, if, if you're going to play games like this, um, you know where Bristol City are going to get less than 48 hours uh, uh, break for no reason. No, um, and you've got other issues with women's football about things not being televised. Um, about you might have heard about um, junior women's football, or on, on, I think under 18s or under 16s, where they can't train in the UK, in England, sorry, where the equivalent young men they can train. Um, so it, it, with this lockdown situation, it's very very peculiar. There's also a story last week, I think. Um, of a Watford player who uh, had a, a knee injury and uh, she basically has to go to, to the NHS for an operation, an ACL. She said it'll be a year's wait for the operation. She said, I might as well hang up my boots, I might as well give up football. And it's, you know, I can't, she said, I can't afford to pay for the operation myself. The club aren't paying for it. So, um, you know, it, when you've got the best part of two years to wait for your operation and go through your rehab, What's the point of carrying on playing? So, you know, it, it's just in, interesting um, to know the, the disparity, the differences. And there's a long way to go in women's football for them to to, to get anywhere near the men's um, what, what goes on in the men's game. Well, guys, let's uh, just switch over uh, to the other team that has Manchester in their name. Quite a good joke from the. Uh, it seems no one can resist that these that this these days. Uh, over to the Daily Mail, and uh, they just mentioned about uh, Ray's man um, James Trafford on the bench for City, and of course, um, I think it might possibly have been a City fan who jibed that there are there were two old Traffords in this game, and neither of them are in Manchester. But uh, what is going on there? Apparently, new calls for the uh, replacement of. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And of course, this comes um, basically on the back of that uh, defeat against, is it Bazak Sehir of uh, Turkey? What's going on there, Colin? Who knows? I mean, I think they put a, um, a slightly weakened side out in that game. And the weird thing was, you know, they, they, they'd beaten... PSG in Paris. They'd beaten um, Leipzig at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, you think, well, they're going to walk that one, aren't they? And um, they got, <laughs> ended up 2 0 down and then came back 2 1. But they, they didn't look at all comfortable. And, um, you know, the, the truth is that, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not a manager for. For, for the club they believe themselves to be. Uh, you know, uh, he has the ability to coach a side to a basic level. Uh, and I think with the United, it's when, they, when they're when they on the back foot, they're OK. But I think when they've got to go on the front foot like they did against... Uh, um, I, can't, I can't say it. Um, that Istanbul, the Istanbul team, uh, they can't do it. They, they haven't just haven't got the creativity, the knowledge, whatever, to unlock um, a defence. And um, I say, they, they do some simple things very well, but they can't step it up. And, and you know, it, it's almost like Ali Gunnar Solskjaer took Cardiff down 
And, you know, he looks like one of those managers, like a bit like Steve Bruce, really, who uh, um, who was the other one, uh, Ian Holloway, Pulis. He's always going to be around the bottom half of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it only because he's got a better quality of player, because obviously from a financial point of view, they can afford that, is he, um, you know, able to do anything. But they are in the bottom half of the Premier League and, uh, you know, they look like that's where they belong. And of course, they're playing better away from home, which kind of supports my supposition that they're OK to defend, but they're not absolutely not very good in the transition to attacking. Yeah, Michael Richards in The Guardian uh, this week saying that they're too easy to play against, too inconsistent, obviously. And uh, he's making the comparison between uh, United uh, these days and the period before Mancini at Man City uh, when we were playing under uh, Mark Hughes. And he feels that they need um, a much stronger character. Everybody loves uh, Solskjaer at United, of course, Um particularly because of the uh, warm and happy memories of uh, uh, his time as a player. But yeah, they seem to me like always one or two steps forward, uh, one or two steps uh, back again. Just when you think that they're going places, then you end up with uh, one of these type uh, results. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, Istanbul Basaksi here. I think that's their name. Yeah, look, it's it's good to see. You know, I'm, I'm not going to um, complain and cry about it. You know, I'm I'm of that age that I've been. I've seen United since you know the the, the 90s winning um, pretty much everything. So it's about time they got knocked off their perch just a little bit. Um, I've got to say, it was nice to see Demba Basco. Um, picking the ball up uh, inside his own yeah. half, inside yeah, his yeah. own. I mean, what was that all about? Was, that, was it just about ten or twelve minutes gone? And United had everybody with, within about thirty yards of um, the um, Bisaksa here goal, a, a corner, and nobody back. And Demabar saying thank you very much. Um, you know, all we needed was um, Stephen Gerrard slipping in front of him. Um, and it, would be <laughs> it did bring back memories that goal, didn't it? A bit. And uh, the thing was, I, I, I compare United's defending. You know, when you were at primary school, you were about seven or eight, and you were playing in the playground, and you know, you, you were playing um, a team playing the class two years below you. And, you know, and all of you would run forward and, and uh, you know, not leave anyone back. And it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Uh, you know, a group of kind of seven-year-olds what what do they think they were doing <laughs> okay guys um well i'm going to give you permission to get on your keyboards now because just bringing up the premier league table and uh, taking a look at it is very very interesting reading at the moment We've got southampton on on top with uh, liverpool behind them uh just on goal difference both of them on 16 points leicester city and spurs been quite impressed by spurs uh colin uh, do you reckon that uh, Jose's uh, got it together? He got it together because he's got. Uh, I think the really quite frightening players in 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 Kane and uh, yeah. Son Hyung Min, and uh, he's instilled uh, a little bit of um, of grit in there, like you always do. What do you think about them? Yeah, well, I think. Well, you know, we always laugh at Tottenham, don't we? You know. It's the first sign of autumn, the clock's going back, the league's <coughs> falling and Spurs title challenge fizzling out. But oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, he's given them a bit of steel, hasn't he? Which is what they needed, really. Mm. And uh, he seems to have weeded out the players that, um, you know, uh, that are more style than substance. I mean, Deli Alley, I've never understood Deli Alley, what he is, what he does. Um, well, he had been touted as the, the player who arrives late in the penalty area. And, uh, well, yeah, make, but it was usually making... after the final whistle had blown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I guess. But, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand what he is, what he does. I say it's. Uh, uh, Mourinho seems to have found him out a little bit, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, when you, when you've got players like Kane and Son. You, you should always be causing the opposition problems, shouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And just between Liverpool and Spurs, Rays, Leicester and the uh, evergreen Jamie Vardy, what do you reckon about them? 15 points. Uh, played played seven one five drawn nil with just the two uh, reverses. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to throw a, a crazy result in from time to time. I mean, one of those losses was a three nil home defeat to West Ham mm. um, when West Ham were going through a, a, a good spell. Um, but look, overall from last season, they're in the same similar sort of form. So last season, I think uh, coming up to Christmas, I think they were second in the table um, and very not far away from Liverpool until I think Liverpool went down to their place and, and absolutely spanked them. So I think, you know, they're slowly getting better and better. Vardy's still doing the business. Tielemans uh, scored a couple of goals the other day, looking better. Um, you know, they've got a pretty, I think, a pretty settled side. Uh, some, some you, you look at that, yeah. You look at that side. You don't see many weaknesses, do you? Yeah, and so you know, I, I can see them, and and they should be. They should be challenging for the top four again this season. They have scored a lot of goals, and you know, even if you take the five goals they scored against us out, they'd still be on twelve goals from six games. So you know, they've scored a decent number of goals, um, and they've not let in too many either. So. They've got a very positive and healthy goal difference, like Spurs. Um, and you know, like Spurs, they've got a sprinkling of um, some cracking players. I mean, we, we didn't even mention Gareth Bale for Spurs. Mm. Um, so you know, they've got an exciting uh, trio there. Leicester have got exciting players, as I said, Tillemans, Vardy, uh, Madison, one or two others. Um, you know, so I, I think yeah, they could easily be, and, and they should be in the top four come the end of the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this uh, clutch of teams that um, uh, come next after Spurs, Everton, Wolves, Chelsea, Villa. Maybe you could even throw in um, Arsenal in there. Um, some inconsistent performances. And uh, I guess it's, uh, they haven't really... This uh, much-vaunted uh, player, Kai Havertz, for Chelsea, an interesting one. He's actually got COVID now and... Um, uh, he'll be out for a bit, but um, he was getting quite a lot of uh, criticism for not being able to fit into their uh, style of play. And uh, it's interesting. Do, uh, what do you think about this little clutch of teams, um, uh, Colin, and how the season might progress for 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 some of them? I think this is what, what's making the season very interesting because um, obviously Ancelotti has made the difference at Everton, and for once they, I think they bought really well in the summer. Uh, I think Chelsea maybe won the transfer window, but Everton were on their shoulder. So, uh, and Ancelotti, of course, the manager, vast experience, <coughs> who will get the best out of them. And uh, Again, uh, you know, there's always a silly result in them, isn't there? I mean, losing at Newcastle. Mm. Um, but, but I, you know, 
But when you look at United down there, the top six is going to be a harder place to get into. There's no automatic places there these days. Say, as Ray said, Leicester are there. Everton, Wolves, we know what they can do. Again, they fell away a bit last season. But, you know, they've come back. They, they've bought well, come back stronger. Chelsea expect to be there. Uh, again, they can be a little bit inconsistent. But, um, you know, um, their issue is, is probably a little bit of backbone, a little bit of hanging on to a lead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Frank Lampard seems to be going into the job. I can't can't really see Villa being there or thereabouts for, for too much longer. Um, in the same way, Southampton, I think, are a better team than people give them credit for. Then you've got Arsenal and us bubbling under. So, you know, the top half is, um, you know, you, you the, the top half is looking like um, it's going to be very competitive. And you've got Leeds, you know, a, a point below us. Um, you know, Newcastle get the odd good result. That that top half is going to be very competitive. The top six could look interesting. And we saw it a bit last season, didn't we? Where Leicester were there and Wolves were there and Sheffield United were up there. And all right, they all fell away to, to a greater or lesser extent. But, but perhaps that was the, the precursor for things things to come this season. Uh, Ray, looking at that, um, the, the 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 bottom of the table, it's looking a little bit um, ominous. Uh, you might think for three out of four of uh, the bottom four, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield United, um, particularly four defeats uh, with just a draw in between in their last five games. Um, worrying times, I guess, but, uh, you know, it's only seven games in, but you, you don't really, I don't really feel like um, any one of those four are are, are going to go on any kind of a run. Well, I, what I do you think... Reckon? I think we always expect Burnley to get out of it. Um, you know, they, 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 they have this dalliance with the with the relegation zone at the start of the season, and then they they, they, they get a, a string of results together and they'll pull away. So, I honestly expect Burnley to pull away. Sheffield um, United, you know, talking to their fans, they they don't think they've been terrible this season, but losing against Fulham, uh, sorry, drawing against Fulham. Uh, well, you know, that's really hurt them. Um, a, a team that they should be beating. So I, I'm worried about uh, Sheffield United, West Brom. For the fact, even though they've, they've got four draws, which is commendable, actually. Uh, sorry, three draws. Um, so they've only got four defeats. They've let in 16 goals. And it's, like we said the other week, there's tons of goals being let in by teams that are in the bottom. And so, yeah, you, you worry about West Brom. Yes, Fulham are just outside, but they've let in 14 goals. Um, and, and Brighton are only two points ahead of Fulham. Um, I'm worried a bit for Brighton. Um, but the good thing for Brighton is they do score goals. If they could tighten up just a little bit, um, whereas the teams below them uh, are not getting more than a goal a game, at least Brighton are getting, uh, you know, they've got 11 goals in, in eight games. So they've got a reasonable number. Of goals and you feel they can score goals, but they're always going to leak. And if you look from Newcastle, who are eleventh, and everybody below them, they're all in double digits for goals conceded. So it's, it's absolutely crazy where you've got. Um, I think you've got twelve teams, the bottom twelve, and then you've got three teams in the top five who've let in double digits as well. So fifteen teams have let in 
um, at least 10 goals or more. It, it's just, it's mind-boggling to see that. I'll tell you what else is mind-boggling, Colin. If you look at the uh, the list of top scorers, there are 25 players from uh, uh, the, the, the current uh, leaders, that's Son Heung-min and, and Calvert-Lewin, right the way down to uh, Jared Bowen of, of West Ham on three. 25 players, not a Manchester City player in there. That is inc- really? incredible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is really. And uh, my goodness, it's. it's well, I mean, we we spread the goals around, don't we? You know, you, you, again, you look at uh, you look at Wednesday night, and we've got three different scorers. One, mm-hmm. a, you know, a winger playing at um, a winger playing in the wrong position. Um, one by a fullback, and um, well, what what, and the other by a you know a true centre forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's. Even last season, that was typical. You know, we'd have if we were scoring eight, we'd have five or six different scorers. Hmm. Well, guys, uh, we've talked about the game against Olympiacos. We've talked about the upcoming goal uh, game against Liverpool. Uh, we've talked about uh, the Champions League a little bit as well. Anything else, guys? Before we uh, bring this little pod to an end. Anything else across your radar, uh, Ray or Colin? Um, um, well, obviously the youth team uh, won the Youth Cup against our Betnoir, Chelsea. Who, mm-hmm. So that was a really good performance. Indeed, indeed. Uh, maybe that's it. Have we come oh, to the, the la- end of the last thing? The last thing is... Uh, Ex-Manchester City manager Roberto Mancini has tested positive for COVID-19, so we wish him. Uh, we've got to wish him, uh, of course, a, a yes, full and fast recovery. Absolutely, you do sort of feel a little bit confident that he will um, uh, recover from that. He's uh, done a great job with Italy, actually, and um, obviously keeps himself as uh, in, in pretty peak condition, as you can see from the occasional um, beach <laughs> photos that are uh, displayed with his sort of enviable. Um, um, physique at uh, at the age that he is. So um, yeah, good luck to Roberto yeah. Mancini. Absolutely. One more, one more piece of important news for the for the game on Sunday mm-hmm. is that uh, Mark Lawrenson in his um, oh, in yeah. his BBC, <laughs> for the first time first time in a hundred and sixty games he's got Liverpool to lose. That's the first time. So oh wait the- a minute, wait a minute. It's like clockwork two 0 Liverpool in his score predictions every single time. Yeah, but he's but he's, he's gone against that. Well, well his score prediction never vary from two 0 two one, one all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be very interesting to um to do a little analysis on that. But it, it, in all my time, it's always been two 0 Liverpool. Um, uh, very very occasionally two uh, one. But uh, I didn't know that, guys. Uh, is he is he predicting a City win? Yes. By it's what time. score? By what score? I, I, I can't. Two 0 Oh well, yeah, it's probably going to be two 0 or two one. Wow, that's very very interesting. Okay, well, well, we're going to we're going to. What I like is they they describe him as a football expert. Y'all, absolutely. Well, if he qualifies, I think that some of us do as well. But um, let's uh, wait and uh, see whether this is a, a, a good omen or. Or, or it's going to put the scud on us. But um, that's a fascinating thing. I did not know that. All right, guys, that's been um, this uh, pod for you. Um, and it's been a, a nice little pod to do. 
as we look forward uh, to the Liverpool game. And uh, just to remind everyone, uh, Ray, what comes after Liverpool? Um, oof, you, you, you put me on the spot there now. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the international break, for one. That's it. We get two, which, two weeks which, off. And actually, which is the most that, ridiculous. Yeah, thing, no, I agree. It's ridiculous. But let's look on the positive. It gives us a chance for um, Sergio Aguero should be back after the international break. And uh, possibly, I think Fernandinho Mendy will still be out, but at least hopefully we'll get Aguero back again. And hopefully, Mendy out. No. Sorry? Mendy out, did you say? He's out. He's out for a little while. But I'm hoping that we get Sergio Aguero back for good. I mean, it's not like Mendy to miss a few games, is it? Yeah, just a few games. But we've got a really tough um, couple of games because obviously uh, we've got the Liverpool game this weekend. And then the first game back after the international break is away at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then the return leg against Olympiacos. And we finish off uh, November with a home game against Burnley. Now, look, four wins in the next four games would get us up there to the top of the table or there or thereabouts. Get us uh, winning the group uh, almost um, nailed on in the Champions League and it would really set us up for what's going to be a very tough it is December's looking really tough um, where we've got nine nine games in 28 days or 29 days nine games in 29 days yes to to, para, to 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 quote our New American President-elect Mr. Biden. I think that we have a dark winter ahead, uh, guys. But anyway, let's leave it there and uh, let's uh, just uh, express our gratitude to our two contributors. Um, Colin Savage, thank you very much for coming on. It's always a pleasure and an honour. An honour, my goodness. Okay, and we'll give the final word to uh, City Fan TV's Ray. I've got to agree with Colin. It's, It's always a pleasure for Colin. (laughs) <laughs> to uh, be on the show with us. <laughs> Thanks it a lot, is. guys. Thanks a lot. Um, we'll be back with you after the Liverpool game. Until then, have one on us. And up those blues. Up those blues, guys. <laughs>